there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. How's everybody doing this morning? Enjoying some of that yummy food out there? Appreciate those who took care of getting it out there for us. Amen. Yeah. I know they were highlighted in the announcements, but I, well, some of them were and some of them weren't, but I wanted to, to cover a couple things really quick, um, let you know about this. Um, well Diggers was highlighted in those announcements. Um, let me just tell you that that time has been phenomenal already, uh, but it, it, we really want to invite everybody uh, to join us and, and, and help us as we're just moving forward with the things that God's leading us into. Um, this transition is, is proving to be a lot bigger and more widespread than what we had ever thought it was going to be. There's a lot going on, and uh, we'd love to have uh, just a prayer covering over everything that's happening there and and really just want to stir, kind of invest as a church into that atmosphere of prayer where we can create breakthrough, where we can create a fresh move of God's spirit. We can't create that, but we can invite it, right? So um, I really want to encourage you to be a part of that if you can. That's Tuesday nights uh, from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Helen is coordinating that. So if you want to communicate with her, that's awesome. Uh, She would love that. But we just invite you all to come out and be part of that. That's really phenomenal. And and also, uh, kind of in that same arena, um, Angie has really just had it in her heart to to really press forward with our pre-service prayer time, which we have um, every Sunday morning. How many, how many of you knew we had a pre-service prayer time? <laughs> There's three of you. Awesome. You are all here this morning. That's awesome. I'm teasing you. But um, we it kind of it kind of sits there, and it, it's been there for a long time. Um, but Angie's just really felt in her heart to go after that because we really believe that God wants to do some stuff here. Amen. I mean, how many of you came to church just because you, you like to see me? How, how many of you? I love you all. Thank you. Was, there was even there was nobody that was silent. I love you too. Um, no, but how many of you came to church to encounter God? We're here for Him. He's the reason we came. We sang that this morning. Um, so when we have our pre-service prayer time, we're really stirring up that encounter uh, because we do believe he wants to do some amazing things. So that's from 9 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. And uh, Angie's going to be hosting that time and we'll see how that kind of develops. But it was it was phenomenal this morning. Um, I got all, all messed up and emotional. I didn't even expect that. But just the presence of God was there. It was so powerful. So uh, come and join us for those two events. That'd be that'd be super awesome we love that wow wow um well my message today is is called postured in faith and surrender we're in a season of encounter a season that we're expecting anticipating and pressing into encounter now, um, some of you might think, well, it's a season of encounter. Let me sit back and let God come to me. Let me just assure you that he loves that idea. He does. He pursues you. He's after your heart. He runs after you. But he also is inviting you to run after him, to press in in this season, press into encounter. Uh, we have more encounters when we're kind of aware of them. Yeah. How many believe that? That's just true. 
We have more encounters when we're aware of his presence. When we're thinking about him, when we're pressing into him, we encounter him more. Um, I can tell you some, some, uh, some things that are happening in my life, encounters that I'm having with God. Um, if I didn't make a space, if I didn't like plan time, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time focused on the Lord, reading the word, pressing into his presence. I've been doing that every day in the morning, a specific time. I've been going after it for quite some time now. And I'm telling you, if I didn't make space for that to happen in my life, it wouldn't be happening. I mean, it would be happening in, in spots and places. And God's faithful. He's pursuing us. He is. He's after our hearts. He really does go after us. Uh, but, but when we make a space for him to show up and say, God, this is a space I'm making in my schedule. I'm making it in my, in my life. This is a place that I want you to, to come and be close to me. He likes to take advantage of that. How many believe that? <laughs> Praise God. So, so today we're going to talk about a couple ways that we can posture our hearts to be prepared to encounter the Lord. And those two ways are faith and surrender. So we're going to start with faith. Now, you might think, well, faith, that's really, that's really pretty simple. <laughs> kind, of, kind, of, kind of have to live in faith. But how many know that there is widespread dilemma in the church that there is uh, unbelieving believers that, that occupy a great portion of churches all across this world unbelieving believers uh, when we when we decide that we're going to step into faith something can shift james chapter 1 uh, verses 6 through 8 says this says but when you ask you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that person should not expect to receive anything from the lord did you catch that part? I was, I was reading it extra loud for you guys. <laughs> that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Who is that person? The person who asks and does not believe. If we don't believe we will have an encounter... We're probably right. <laughs> right? If we believe that we are going to encounter God, then we'll probably encounter him. If we're looking for him, we sang about that this morning too. The more I seek you, the more I find you. It's really pretty simple. <laughs> when I'm looking for God, he shows up. It's really, really pretty profound. The more I seek him, the more I find him. Numbers chapter 13 has a, a, an amazing story, um, really kind of a terrible story, but it's, it's a good story because it can teach us some things. But uh, in Numbers chapter 13, what, what's happening is the people of Israel have come out of, of Egypt in the bondage that they were in there. God leads them out. They go through um, the Red Sea, and, and God delivers them from, from Pharaoh and his army, um, swallows them up in the Red Sea, uh, and then, and then they, they're, they're, they're traversing through the desert. They get to the Promised Land. Now, that is a very short walk. 
but uh, their, their walk ended up being longer. But they get there. This is their first time when they're at the, they're at the brink of, of stepping into the promised land. And Moses sends out 12 spies. I'm sure you all know the story. So Moses sends out 12 spies into the land. And then they look around in the land and they get some of the fruit of the land. And they bring it back. And, and they, in verse 27 is where I'm going to start reading. They gave Moses this account. It says, we went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. They brought back some grapes. Uh, but the people who live there are powerful. Wow. So just getting hit with some thoughts here, but I'm just going to keep pressing through. The people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we ex explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. These ten spies gave what is referred to as a bad report. How many recognize that this bad report that they gave was not inaccurate? They didn't lie. They didn't miss the facts. They didn't misrepresent the truth. They told the truth. This is who's there. This is what we saw. They presented facts. But how many know they missed the truth? These facts that they presented, they, they, weren't, they weren't refuted by Caleb. Caleb didn't silence the people and say, well, they weren't that big. That's not what he said. He silenced them and said, we should go up right now because we can do it. We can surely do this. Verse 33, it's where I ended, but we saw giants there and look at what it says. It says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Now, how many recognize they didn't go up to the giants? When they were, they were exploring the land, they didn't like go up to them and say, you know, how do we look to you? Would you just tell us, like, do we look like grasshoppers to you? Because that's how we feel. Is that how we look to you? You know, they didn't have that conversation. Right? Are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't go and ask them, how do you think we look to you? That was something that they took on themselves and they became a part of their believing 
because of how they saw themselves. Very interesting. Their problem wasn't how the enemy saw them. It was actually how they saw themselves. And oftentimes that's our real issue also. It really is. If we see ourselves as well able, then we will be. And if we see ourselves as grasshoppers, then our enemies will see us that way too. 40 years later, this is like, we're going to fast forward 40 years. You guys know the story. Because of this bad report, they end up not going into the promised land. That's when God intended them to go into the promised land, right? 40 years, they go, they wander through the desert till every single person, except Joshua and Caleb, every single one of them died in the wilderness. And then after 40 years, God said, okay, it's time again. We're going to go in. So they get, they, they go back to the promised land. They're on the brink of, of crossing over uh, the Jordan River. And, and Joshua does something. He sends out two spies. He thought if, if 12 bring, bring back a bad report, maybe if I only send two, it'll work out better for us. I don't know what he was thinking, but he sent two spies and they go into the city of Jericho and they, uh, they're, they're looking around and checking things out, checking out the walls and they're checking out this city of Jericho and, and they connect with Rahab the harlot. And Rahab the harlot hides them from men of their city. Men of their city are looking for these guys. They want to kill these two guys that are there because they, they don't like them. <laughs> so they want to kill these guys. Uh, and that's kind of where we pick up the story here in Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. Um, they're, they're hiding in Rahab's house. And these men come looking. They knock on Rahab's door, actually. And they're asking, you know, give us these men. We know they came here. We saw them where are they? And she says, you know, something to, to kind of divert them and, and not, uh, and doesn't give them up. They're hiding or they're, they're somewhere in her home. Um, now, before the spies lay down for the night, uh, this is in her house, she went up on the roof, which is where they were at. And, and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. Check this out. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. I don't know if you're catching this, but these are the same people that they, earlier they went into the, the land and they look at these people and they, they think we're grasshoppers. But what did this people think of them? Like, these are the guys that went through the Red Sea. They were terrified. They remember, this is 40 years later. 40 years later, they're still freaked out about that people that crossed the Red Sea when they were delivered from Egypt. 40 years later, they're like, you've come here and we're toast. 
were melting with fear. Isn't that crazy? Same land, same people. They remembered what happened 40 years earlier, the testimony of the Lord's victory. The people of Jericho were terrified. Now, fear and faith are opposites of the same force. <laughs> Whether we believe we can or we believe that we can't, we're right. You've heard me say that before. Fear creates an environment in the negative the same way that faith creates an environment in the positive. Now here's, here's some, this is an interesting thought, but fear loves to masquerade as wisdom. Loves to do that. It's like our culture is actually totally enamored with this idea. Enamored with, with fear that we call wisdom. Like, it's everything's got to be safe. I remember telling a story about years ago. We took some of our boys, and we went up to the Mariners. Uh, I don't remember what they call it. Spring, it's a camp they have early on um, up at the uh, Safeco Field. And they had these little scooters. Like, you could ride um, the little Razor scooters around on this little course that they had right there on the concourse. And, and they, they had all the cones out and marked it all out. And... Um, and, you know, our boys, some of our boys that we brought were all young. They're excited about what they're seeing. Razor scooters were kind of a new rage and hot thing that they wanted to be in, they wanted to do. And so, you know, some of our boys are like, we want to do that. And we, so we waited in line. It was a long line. We waited in line. And you get up to closer to the front of the line, you have to sign a waiver. Right, yeah, parents have to like, I promise not to sue you if my child gets injured and all this, you know, obviously that's not exactly the language. But this huge waiver, and I get the whole thing about insurance and, you know, all that stuff, I get it. But um, then they go a little bit further in the line and they start to suit them up in all their armor. Like they're riding a razor scooter. They have a helmet, they have knee pads and elbow pads. They have all of this stuff that's meant to protect them from what? The concrete. And then, this is, this is the next thing. They actually get to the scooters, they pick out a scooter, and they start to go through the course. And all through the course, they've got the staff. They're walking with them. Slow down. That's too fast. Don't do that. Wait, don't, 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 don't pass him. I mean, they're removing every element of risk. It's like you couldn't get hurt. If you fell down, you'd probably bounce because you're so covered. I mean, it's like it removed all the sense of fun and adventure that these kids were wanting to have. Like we just got to push a little scooter around so slow that they were keeping up with us and slowing us down and walking beside us. We're so enamored with this idea of protection and safety and we call it wisdom, but it's really fear. Fear masquerading as wisdom. It deceives us into thinking that we're aiming at balance, but in reality, we're preserving status quo and mediocrity. Some of you don't like what I'm preaching, but it's true. It's especially true when fear partners with religion. How many know that, that fear really likes to partner with religion? They make great classmates. Fear 
of excess in any kind. It's like, well, we don't want to get a little too whacked out about that. Don't, don't, don't go over there that way. That's scary. Don't do that. Rather than being balanced when it comes to the kingdom, we need to be all in. It's like, I understand that we need wisdom. I'm all, I, I want wisdom. I'm after wisdom in my life. But I don't really want balance. I want to be, to be balanced by passion. I want to be all in for what God has for my life. An example here is, is like a fear of excess in the area of finances. And you can just kind of mutter under your breath, uh, he's meddling now, because it's probably true. But uh, we don't want to preach a prosperity gospel, a money-grabbing gospel, and it's true, a gospel that can truthfully put a heavy burden on you to give beyond your means. It can put, a, can put pressure on you to do what you really didn't have in your heart to do. Uh, there is, there is the, that real risk of excess in that area. Some of you have probably experienced that. You've been in environments where this was abused. But the challenge is this, is that by being afraid of excess in that area, we stay away from preaching a gospel that demands sacrifice. Are you hearing me? A gospel that demands sacrifice and opens us up to the blessing that flows from extravagant generosity. We have to be careful with that. Let's be careful there. Now, you know, you're talking about my money. Don't go right, I'm talking about it. This gospel that we are preaching demands sacrifice. It's not me. You're not making me happy by doing that. It's, it's, it's the gospel message. It demands everything from us. But it offers way more in return. When we're living from fear, we can't advance the kingdom. Just kind of letting that sink into our spirits. When we live from fear, we cannot advance the kingdom. Fear by its very nature paralyzes us. To advance the kingdom, we have to throw off fear. We have to throw it off. Hebrews 12, this is, a, this is a passage of verses that have really been on my heart this week. I've been praying this over my own life and over our church this week, but I'll, let me read it to you. It says, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love the way that it phrases that there. It's a, this is the NIV translation. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
I love that pioneer. It's like he's, he's the one who's taking us into new territory, places that you've never been before. He's leading you there. He's the pioneer. He's authoring something brand new. And he's leading you into it. But how many, how many know he's not the pioneer and perfecter of our character? He's not the pioneer and perfecter of our skill. He's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I'm not saying character doesn't matter. Please don't catch that. That's not true at all. A pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He, he perfects our faith and it brings us to maturity and it does develop character in us. Absolutely. But he's, he's leading us and perfecting, bringing maturity to our faith, our believing. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith. The kingdom moves forward by faith. How many have heard this? The kingdom suffers violence and the violent men take it by force. The violent take it by force. We need to violently deal with the lies that are robbing us from peace and stealing away our destinies. How many understand that we don't need balance when it comes to that moment? When we identify a lie that's keeping us from the, the, the life that God has called us to live, we don't need to just like kind of meander through that situation like, you know, I think I'll just kind of start hoping that maybe that'll start going away in my life. We need to violently act and bring the kingdom into that. We need to bring the truth, the mindset that we need to live by to bear on that. We need to be violent against that. Carnal mindsets are mindsets that might be informed by the facts, but they are not informed by the truth. And we need to do violence on those mindsets. We can't afford them to stay. That kind of radical faith gets God's attention. It does. That kind of faith is irresistible to God. When we start believing for, for what we can't see, how many understand that faith that, that believes for what we already have isn't really faith? Faith only exists in realms where we're reaching into areas that have not yet happened. It's currently impossible. At least in our experience, it is impossible. But when we reach into that and we go after those things, God sees that. It's a kind of a smell for him. He's like, what's that? There's, oh, there's faith going on here. That smells good. I'm just attracted to that. You want an encounter with God? Begin to shift your beliefs. Ask the Holy Spirit to begin shaping your beliefs to align with His. He, 
he loves to be faithful to show us where our beliefs need some growth. Amen. I only got to one of these things I was going to talk about this morning. I got too excited. So we'll have to catch the next one some other time. Faith. Why don't you stand up? kingdom life calls to us with an invitation for more than what we've experienced more than what we've seen how many recognize that there's so much more than what we've each experienced I mean, some of us have experienced maybe more than others but for the person in the room I'm not sure who that might be but the person in the room who's experienced the most of God in their lifetime. How many understand that for them it is still limitless? There's absolute no, there's no limit on how much of God you can experience. My hope this morning is to stir up in you a heart that says, I'm not settling for just the facts. I'm not settling for what I've seen before. I need to reach. I'm driven to reach beyond my experience to see something new. I'm driven to find something fresh. I'm driven to throw off fear. How many want to throw off fear this morning? Jesus, we want to throw off fear. We want to just, uh, the things we've been worrying about, just, just picture in your own heart, like what did you worry about this week? What were you anxious about this week? What did you spend time kind of fretting over? Think about that because that thing right there is keeping you from your destiny. It's keeping you from your purpose in life. Fear is never going to get us there. Stepping beyond, that doesn't mean we don't make smart decisions. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about stepping into faith and believing that, uh, you know, I'm not going to live by fear. I'm going to live out of faith. Jesus, help us with this. Help us throw off fear. Help us get rid of anxiety. Help us see you as big. Help us see you as absolutely huge, absolutely able to do everything we're facing and more. Anything we're worried about, God, we just want to throw that off and throw our cares on you. God, we want to, we want to connect with you this morning and believe you that you are who you say you are. That you have been given the name that's above every name. That you've been given all power and all authority. And that same power and authority you've given to us. We just want to throw that fear off. If you want to step into a new life, step into an encounter that's led by moment by moment, believing in him, faith, encountering him and his goodness. Lord, we thank you. We thank you this morning that you desire to encounter us way more than we desire to encounter you. Thank you, Father, that the more we seek you, the more we find you. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Awesome. Amen. Wow. Well, thanks for coming. <laughs>